When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another Tuesday episode here. We are full-fledged into the Jets offseason. We're in the thick of the uh, thick of the NFL playoffs. Um, you know, Ravens, uh, Ravens, Chiefs upcoming this Sunday, obviously San Francisco and Detroit, two really two exciting big games. Just saw a huge number for chiefs bills. Uh, I believe over 50 million. Um, I believe our next guest was the first guest three years ago on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I'm, I'm like 98% sure. Ari Mayer of my sports updates, you know, everyone <laughs> almost at a million followers now. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty insane. Ari, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. I did not know that I was potentially, I guess, the first guest that we had on the podcast. That's a, yeah. a pretty, it's a pretty cool honor for me. Yeah, I started out. Uh, I started out the best. Obviously, uh, we we're kind of just joking about off. You know, the next month uh, to six weeks is going to be insane from just an NFL perspective. Travel, these different events, obviously upcoming as we get you know further along the playoffs in the NFL offseason. Um, you know, we, I've talked a lot about on this how the Jets season kind of. It collapsed obviously quite quickly, and then all of a sudden there was some hope, and then you know it kind of shattered again. I guess before we kind of dig into the offseason, kind of what was your perspective on this Jets offseason? I mean, this Jets previous season because seven and ten again, but it felt very different than the seven and ten I believe two years ago when, when it kind of surprised people starting out seven and four. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of high hopes for this team. I mean, we I remember talking to you at the Combine last year, and I'm like, I'm like wow, this team is going to be so good. You guys are going to get Rodgers. This defense is amazing. And it's like to have it all break down after four plays, it obviously sucks. And I know that there was some hope, like you said, at some point. But, like, when the entire offseason went last year, I understood the plan of bringing in Rodgers and keeping Zach as the backup. I mean, he looked up to Aaron, learned from him, give this guy maybe he could actually be the guy eventually, number two overall pick. Let's not trash him right away. But obviously no one thought that would happen after four plays. And that was really the hard part. And, you know, looking back at all of it, you know, when I was thinking about it as the year went on, I was a bit concerned because as soon as you lose Rodgers, everyone is depleted. Everyone is upset. But I also started thinking about there are so many new faces in the building now who came specifically for Rodgers. And it's like, how is that reaction going to be? And I felt like as the season went on, you know, for me, someone in the media and the news part of it, there were so many leaks in that building that it's like all these people who came for Rogers and Rogers not being there anymore. It feels like they were so checked out in a way where they were just, you know, talking to anybody. And it felt like so many things were coming out of that building because of it. So I feel like 
everything unraveled so fast because you put all your eggs into one basket and eventually it just got out of control. So now you're like, let's run this all back. Let's fix some of the mistakes that we made. Let's get that veteran backup quarterback just in case of a worst case scenario. And hopefully what we thought would happen in 23 is going to happen in 24. So I totally understand why Salah is back and Douglas is back and on and on. Yeah, no, it's it's just an interesting perspective. You look at this generational, uh, you know, head coaching, uh, I guess, free agent market right now. And, you know, a couple of the guys that we thought potentially could be on the market obviously weren't, but there's obviously these Hall of Fame names. And you're seeing teams like the Eagles, you know, again, obviously it was a disaster at the end, but they finished 11 and 6 and they're firing both coordinators. Or you're looking, uh, you're looking elsewhere, teams making changes, and you look at the Jets and you're like, okay, today, you know, Taylor Embry's gone cool to move around the edges at running back. We, we potentially will see something, you know, receiver coach, quarterback coach, but nothing substantial. It just, it just worries you because yes, I think they're probably at least a 10 win team with Rodgers, even this year, if you just flipped it, but are they going to have enough to get them in a big playoff game or a big game in week 16, they're going to Buffalo. Like, are you trusting Sala and this offensive staff? you know, in Buffalo next year, 11 and four versus 11 and four, like division on the line. I think that's still my one concern. And, um, you know, obviously again, Joe Douglas is going to be drafting probably an offensive tackle in the top 10. It obviously didn't go so great last time. Um, so I think those are the two main concerns where it's like you get the rationale, but also you're thinking to yourself, I don't know. There's just like, isn't there's urge to be better? Like this might be good, but like, can't we go out I don't, I have no idea. Pete Carroll probably would have say no to the Jets in two seconds, right? Like it's not even really a discussion, but don't you at least make a call? Like, Hey, is Vrabel even interested if we even talk to him about this job? Am I like crazy to just not even reach out to these guys? feels a little kind of just, I don't know. I feel like there could, you could be a little more aggressive. I, I, I always felt like throughout the year and as soon as everything was going wrong and I felt like everyone was calling for a Robert's job and it was like, as long as Aaron wants him there, he's going to stay there. You know what I mean? That's the way it felt. So unless Aaron went up to Woody and was like, hey, I think Tomlin might be available. Let's get him. Or Vrabel's going to get fired. Let's get him. Because Salah is okay, but I don't love him. Then I think Woody would have done it. But he's clearly all in on Robert. And Robert is clearly all in on him. And it was like, I'm not going to break this up. So it just never felt like it was ever going to happen. And like the reality is like... the. The thing I know, like Robert, the defensive guy, the defense was all great. You want him to be a head coach and you want to see everything work out, but you still got to give some credit for how that defense didn't necessarily at any point completely collapse. Like, I know there were some bad moments in the Miami game or whatever, but that team still stayed together for the most part. And I feel like some credit should probably go to Robert, some could go to the defense corner, Jeff Albrook as well. But it's like, I think there's some credit to go there. And I think what they're hoping for is once Aaron is back and you're hoping that. Aaron and Hackett is actually going to be what we all thought it would be because nobody wanted it to be Hackett and Zach. You wouldn't have hired Hackett if it was for that. I think everyone was expecting Hackett once he came in. They had a good sense that he's going to be off Aaron. And, of course, four plays in, it's over. So I think all of that is just like, I like Robert. I like, obviously love Hackett. We're keeping it all. Let's try to do this again. If it doesn't work, we're going to blow it all up after next year. Yeah, well, uh, that'll be that'll be unfortunately. Uh, I hope we don't have to have that conversation. I hope we're talking about extensions and stuff like that at this point. This is a big offseason, obviously. You mentioned the veteran backup quarterback, wide receiver, tackle, potentially a guard as well. There's a lot that needs to be done here. The Jets do have cap space. Um, not a ton right now. They're very easily going to be able to clear a bunch of money. Um they have some draft capital, not 
a full, you know, not their full, obviously, with, with the Rodgers trade. How optimistic are you, I guess, are you that they can kind of figure this thing out here? Um, we've seen some really nice signings from the Jets and some really nice moves in the draft. Obviously, we look at the 2022 draft and Sauce and, and Brees Hall and Jermaine and Garrett Wilson and, and even a Rucker, et cetera. Awesome draft. We've also seen the 2020 draft, right, where it's like, oof, you know, the tens of Mims, Mekhi Becton, uh, James Morgan trade. So, like, and again, free agency has been very hit or miss as well, right? You, Irving DJ Reed. Uh, there's there's also the Dwayne Brown, Carl Lawson's of the world that just get hurt and, and never really play for them. So I guess what's your level of optimism with this team to be able to figure it out and maybe catch a Buffalo and catch Miami next year in the division and, you know, potentially be playing this time uh, this time next year? Well, first of all, if we start off with the division, I mean, I, I feel like Buffalo right now is in a situation where their window, I'm not saying it's closing because they have Josh Allen, but they have really gone. That's probably the only reason their window is still open is because of Josh Allen in reality. Right. But I'm saying like, if you look at the way they, their contract and how they structured everything, like it's going to be difficult moving forward. So they're, they're going to have some tough decisions over there in Miami. They're going to have to figure out what to do with Tua, extend them or not. So like, and they have a lot of big contracts as well. So in terms of just the division, we all know New England is a bit of a reset, I guess we could call that. So like there is a path there in the AFC East for the Jets to make some noise in that division come next year. And for me, I really look into this off season and I look back at, let's just say last year, Last year was so Aaron Rodgers centric that it also became like, what can we do to not just get him, but make sure he's happy with us. And we will never really know how the 23 season would have went with all the guys that they brought in for him, whether it's Lazard and Cook and Mikal, like who knows how good those guys might've been if he was on the field. But the reality is they made most of those signings a, because maybe he mentioned it to them or probably he didn't mention it to them. They're like, you know what, let's just make that happen. I think moving forward into this year, I think that's going to change a little bit. And we've heard Aaron talk a lot about how much he trusts Joe Douglas. Like even his opening press conference, he was like, this guy knows how to draft. This guy knows what he's doing. So like, I think this offseason, they're like, listen, you've been here for a year. You really haven't done much in terms of on the field. Let us do our job. We'll listen to you. But of course, let us just try to do it our way. And I do trust this front office to also realize the mistakes that they've made. Yes, they've had some hits. Yes, they've had some mistakes. But for the most part, they've built this roster to be one of the more deeper rosters in the NFL. Like, I always look at this after training camp ends. There is teams obviously cut their rosters from 90 to 53. There's teams that are always claiming players off the Jets roster. It just shows how much talent there is on this team. And that all goes back to Joe Douglas and the rest of the front office. So, like, they are, they have done a pretty good job. And I want to see how they do this offseason addressing all these problems. The offensive line, the backup quarterback, and I'm sure they could add a couple more pieces um, on the offense, whether it's at receiver, probably most likely. So, like, I, I think it's going to be a lot more of Joe using his mindset and his front office, getting together and figuring out what are we going to do to make this roster good instead of just pinpointing on Aaron, hey, what do you want? Let's make this happen, which was what happened with Lazard and the rest of the guys that they had. <laughs> I want to run through a few of, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of quote unquote buddies or, you know, former, uh, former teammates, obviously that have been awesome players in the league. And there's a few bigger names that have been connected to the Jets one way or another. And you hear rumblings, Hey, they're interested. We saw a bunch of the leaks come out after the trade deadline. I hate when that happens. Cause that tells me uh, you're all in and not for nothing. If you're already leaking that it's kind of hard to have leverage uh, in a trade with the Raiders or the Bucks, but I want to run through a couple of those names. Devontae being one, um, my kind of stance on it is they're obviously going to call on Devontae. It makes a ton of sense from the Jets' perspective. It probably makes a lot of sense for the Raiders, too, if we're being honest. Like, if you're going to go new coach, new GM, kind of start this thing over, 
do you really want to be paying Devontae Adams $25, $30 million a year at age 31 when you don't have a quarterback? Maybe not. Um, with Mahomes in that division, it kind of feels like they probably should reset, but they might not want to reset in the market they're in. Um, they were competitive with Antonio Pierce. So that's Devontae as one. And then a lot of David Bakhtiari stuff has been floated around, mostly because he looks like he's in that picture of the Rodgers in the offensive line. It's not him. Um, but it looked like he was in it. And there's obviously been a lot of connections. They're best friends. We see it on Twitter all the time and all that stuff. But Bakhtiari has been injured a lot. And while he plays, he's still really good, but he's owed a ton of money. And most importantly, he's probably the loudest advocate of grass versus turf in the NFL. I, I'm not sure we see more, somebody else more vocal about that. As it currently stands, MetLife's turf. And we know we, we know what the MetLife turf is. Um, I want to just start with Devontae and, and Bakhtiari. Are either of these two guys even realistic at this point? I know we're only in January. We haven't even gotten to the senior bowl yet. But um, from your, in your, I guess in your perspective, what do you, what do you think on those two names? So I probably would have said Devontae's a realistic thing after the trade deadline was over. I'm like, all right, because they still had Ziggler McDaniels there for like five more hours, I guess. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, they, they they tried. I don't know how aggressive they were. I thought that was the Jets kind of putting it out there because just to show Aaron Hay were trying, but whatever. But now that Pierce, you know, came in and did a great job and listened to Adams and Adams loved him and they ended up hiring him as the full-time coach. I kind of have a hard time seeing them moving on from him. I feel like Pierce, especially his mindset, is is, is kind of let's just go for it now, now that I'm the head coach. So I feel like keeping Adams there, Josh Jacobs of Rage, I think they try to get him back. So I feel like they want to keep those three main guys, which is Max, Devontae, and Josh. Those were his guys. I think they want to keep him. So I feel like the possibility that happening is probably less now. At the same time, they still haven't hired a GM. Um, Champ Kelly, Ed Dodds, Tom Telesco are the three names there. And whoever it is, I would imagine they probably also want to keep Devontae Adams, but we'll see who they end up hiring and who really ultimately has control over what ends up happening there. If it's Champ, then you know he's working side by side with Antonio, which means I would imagine Devontae is probably safe and staying there. As for Bakhtiari, I mean, I just wonder, again, going back to what we said before, Aaron might want him, are the Jets going to want him? Because you're right, the injuries are a real thing. The turf versus grass stuff is a real thing. And like his salary is pretty significant. And unless he's willing to bring that thing significantly down, I don't know why you would even consider it. And we saw last year, the Packers also are not just going to give him away. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be asking for a, a, a nice package or a picks, whether it's a second, a third or whatever, to go bring him in. And again, it's an aging guy who has barely played, who has had serious knee problems and has had multiple i think it's three or four even five surgeries over the last two three years so it's like why would you do this you know what i mean as much as i really like aaron as much as david likes him as much as the left tackle has been an issue this guy might not even be on the field and will be taking up a lot of cap space and an ace draft pick so i just don't know if you're joe douglas and the rest of that front office like yeah he's good when he's on the field but will he be on the field and could we get somebody else i do feel like had they have lost that week 18 game and been picking at you know, six, seven, whatever it is, they probably would have an easy shot at getting one of these tackles. Picking at 10 kind of makes it a little bit more complex, I would say. So I think that might be part of the equation as well. Like, can we get a premier guy or not? And should we revisit this Bakhtiari thing? But I just don't know how you do it considering all the factors we just mentioned. Like, if you're Douglas and forget about Rogers for a second, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, especially if the Dwayne Brown stuff had not happened um, the last few years, I think even maybe you're looking at things a little differently. Hey, we can take this risk here. We know our guys can get them healthy, whatever. But when you look at it, you know, the Dwayne Brown situation, obviously, 
You look at the two big names in Bakhtiari and Tyron Smith. I don't know if Tyron Smith's really going anywhere. I don't know why he'd go anywhere. I just feel like that name keeps getting – I keep seeing that floated. Like Again, Tyron Smith's awesome, and like no, there's no shade towards him, but he's going to miss time at some point during the year. We know that. And, again, this is a Jets team where, like, I feel like they need five guys that can play 15, 16 games together. They don't have to be the five best linemen in the league. Uh, I think sometimes we fall in love with big name offensive linemen. Sometimes just having a sturdy guy that plays 16, 17 weeks at a league average level is more than good enough in today's NFL. We're not, you know, not every line is going to be the 90s Cowboys and the, you know, and, and the, even the late 20, 2009, 2010 Jets, like those days kind of feel like they're over. Even the Niners line who we look at is great, et cetera. It's one or two big names, but it's a lot of, can you play 14 games for us and just like not suck? Like that's what it comes down to. I want to run through a couple of the receivers um, and then we'll just run through the couple of the backup quarterbacks quickly. The receivers, the names, you know, that I think everyone's kind of familiar with. I still have a hard time find, like figuring, thinking Mike Evans is going to be out of Tampa. I, I just don't like, it feels like they extend Baker and they tag Evans if they need to, whatever it is. Like he's a buck. I, I don't, I know we thought about that with Julio and these other things. He's a great name. I think he'd make a lot of sense for the Jets, whether he gets out of there, we'll get to in a second. There's other names. You look at T Higgins. It feels like it's going to be, kind of hard to pay T Higgins while you're paying Burrow and Chase. Again, you could probably do it, but do you want to have all your capital invested in those two guys? Um, and then there goes to the Michael Pittman's again. Not sure why Indianapolis, they've been hoarding cap space since uh, the Reagan administration. It'd be nice <laughs> to use it. And then, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley's another name, you know, as well. Um, his is a little more complicated, but of those big names, like do you see any of those guys going anywhere? Because again, the Jets have leaked. They're going to be all in on a, a big time, number one B receiver, whatever. There might not be anybody out there for him if they, if they don't capitalize. So I have a hard time seeing Pittman making it to the market, market, and I have a hard time seeing T. Higgins making it to the market. The other two, however, I could see making it there. That's Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley. I guess we'll go one by one. Calvin Ridley, the reason I could see him making it there, when the Jaguars and Falcons did that trade, the conditions on which pick the Falcons in the beginning was also tied into if he gets a contract extension from the Jaguars. So right now it's a third round pick in this year's draft. Should the Jaguars extend him, that becomes a second round pick and the Jaguars not making the playoffs. That's a mid second round pick. So are you going to extend Calvin Ridley in exchange essentially for a second round pick? So that is something they're going to have to factor into all of this. And that's the reason why I could see him possibly making it to the market. As for Mike Evans, he said after the playoff loss, I want to be a Buck. I want to finish my career here. The reality is those two sides tried to do an extension before the season started. They were like extremely far apart. Not that it wasn't, it was, they weren't even close. And the other part about all of this is that he really can't get tagged. Um, if you look at his cap number, if they were going to try to tag him, I have it up here somewhere, it's going to be well over $30 million. So it's, it's, it's way <laughs> too expensive. Yeah, and on yeah. top of that, you know, everyone talks about the compensatory pick formula. Like, okay, maybe they'll just, um, let him go get a third round pick. There's this like rule that doesn't really talked about a lot. If a player has been in the league for 10 plus years and leaves as a free agent, the highest compensatory pick you could get is the fifth round pick. So the Bucks, if they do let him go, they can't even get like a high pick. So like there's that element of it as well, where for them, it's like we have to try to extend them or else we're really getting nothing. So they're going to have this really short window before free agency starts to try to get it done. The tag is not part of it. And that's where Mike has a lot of leverage. And that's part of the reason why his asking price before the season was so high, because he was like, I've been a great player, but I also know I have an open path to free agency when the season is over. So he could definitely make it to the market. And unless Tampa Bay is willing to 
you know, pay up the big money for him. For a player who's been good, he had some drops this year. That is the reality of it. We and saw we've it on seen, Sunday. Yeah, he's had a lot of those this year. So it's like the 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 equation they're trying to figure out is is he going to continue going upwards or is this something that eventually goes down? So like that's going to be part of it as well. But I think Evans and Ridley have a shot to get into the open market, and if a team is willing to um, spend some big money on them, I think those two um, teams are going to have a hard time keeping them. I want to hit on backup quarterback and then uh, just a couple of Jets, a couple of Jets things before we wrap here. Backup quarterback, you know, obviously, again, the Jets were the most, I, I mean, everyone's backup quarterback this year. It felt like if you could keep your quarterback healthy for 15, 16 games, you were a playoff team. And, and that's great. Obviously, maybe outside of Pittsburgh, most teams pretty much made the playoffs if you, which makes no sense because they were probably the worst team in the playoffs. Um, but it was just, can you keep your quarterback healthy? We saw all the big injuries. We know all about it. The Jets can't really – they're obviously not going to run it back with Zach. I expect Zach to be traded pretty pretty quickly here. Um, I think he'll be one of the first names. It's like, here's a 2026 fifth-round conditional pick. It'd become a two if he starts 17 weeks. It's really could become – whatever. I think we'll see that. I've said Arizona for a long time. I'm going to stick with that. I think he makes a lot of sense in Arizona. Market, play style, all that different stuff. But it looks like they're going to have to go after a veteran backup. We've heard Douglas. We've heard Salah pretty openly talk about – we probably made a mistake there. Tim Boyle's not <laughs> Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon are not the answer. Um, there's a lot of backup quarterbacks that'll hit the market likely that will command some pretty big dollars for that for that spot. Uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett's I'm probably going to get upwards of like eight to ten million bucks a year. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, Minshew, does Carson Wentz get money again because he looked half decent in one game? Does Sam Darnold get money? Like, there's a lot of guys at that spot. What is like, what would you do? I guess if you're the Jets, like, do you just go out and say, we'll make Jacoby Brissett? I've heard Jimmy G too. I don't, not sure that makes a lot of sense. Jimmy G looks just kind of, kind of looks a little checked out. Um, does, do the Jets just go, hey, here's two for 24 for Jacoby Brissett? And like, we're going to overpay the shit out of Jacoby Brissett. But we know at least we could still be probably a playoff team if, if Rodgers gets hurt again. Yeah, so I actually did a video on this for the 3013 earlier this year as all these injuries were going on. And it was like, there's a lot of people in the league who, first of all, have realized the importance of a backup quarterback. I think we've always seen the Eagles do that. They obviously had um, Foles win a Super Bowl, but they've always had uh, Mariota this year, Minshew before that. Um, Hertz was a backup to Wentz for a little bit. Like, they've always been consistent with the backup quarterback. Mickey Loomis in New Orleans was always the same way as well. You obviously had Teddy. He's had Dalton. He had um, this year of Jameis. So, like, they always get somebody to have behind their quarterback because it matters as soon as your guys, you know, out for the year. Yeah, you, want to stay, you got to stay competitive. Exactly. It's the most important position. You might as well have someone behind them as well. So there are teams who have been serious about that and some teams who have not been so serious about it. And I think that's going to change this offseason where all these teams had so many quarterback injuries, like we got to do something. And because of that, I think the market for a lot of these quarterbacks is going to go up. For example, Gardner Minshew, how important was he in Indianapolis this year? He is offer was one year, 4 million last year. I think he'll be able to get way more than that on the open market this year, whether it's a bridge quarterback as a starter or to be a backup again. So I think the market itself is going to go up. The name that I've kind of been circling for the Jets has been Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I think that's a name where I thought throughout the year, if they ever wanted to trade for somebody, it made a lot of sense. Obviously, there's some connections there on the, on the staff with Todd Downing, who was his offensive coordinator once upon a time in Tennessee. So that's a name that I think makes sense there. And I don't really know if the Jets are going to go out and say, you know what, screw it. Let's just pay two years and $30 million for somebody. I don't think they're looking to do that. I think they want to get somebody for one year with significant incentives if he ends up on the field, which is what 
a Minshew got, what a Baker got last year when they didn't know if he was a starter or, or a backup to Trask. So, like, you want to do one of those, all right, you'll, you'll get one year, $6 million. If you get on the field, you go up to um, 10 12 which is what Darnold signed in San Francisco last year as well. I think it's one year, four, or upwards to 12 if you're playing. So if you get on the field, you'll be able to get to, like, a good amount of money. That's probably what they're looking at. And that's been the um, the market for these guys up until now. The question really becomes, does the market change because of what happened this past year and how many more teams are going to be aggressive for a backup quarterback? So that's going to be the the part of this that's very interesting. But Tannehill has been the name I've been keeping an eye on a lot, and I think um, that would make um, some sense there for the Jets as a reliable backup who could come in in case you need him for whether it's one game or, God forbid, a full season. Yeah. Let's let's hope it's not a full season. Um, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill or any backup quarterback, right. they, they want to get paid, but I don't know if they want to even play 17 games at this point. Um, I want to hit on Bryce Hoff quickly, and then um, I just want to hit on a couple of the AFC things you, you mentioned previously. I've talked on probably every podcast since November about Bryce Hoff. I get a quite 5,000 questions about, is he going to get extended? What's going to happen here? Look, I... I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I, I saw some folks really wildly overreacting to the quote he had saying, oh, you know, I just want to get paid, et cetera. He's in a negotiation. So the Jets aren't going to say something about him, complimentary. They're going to say, Bryce is a nice player. We have a lot of free agents. It's Joe Douglas's quote. Bryce is going to say, I want to get paid. That's the way these things work. So just a PSA. Do not overreact to that stuff. It's not worth getting, you know, flipping out about. They're not going to say what you want them to say. All that said... Look, they took, a, they took an edge rusher with a somewhat similar skill set in the top 15 last year. The pick doesn't really make a lot of sense in hindsight. If you would have taken a receiver, not pick swapped. There's a bunch of different things. Hindsight's all 2020. I say all that to say, like, he's their best peer pass rusher. You expect to be leading a lot more games next year. There's the Hassan Reddick, Shaq Barrett. Oh, they're only pass rushers. And Hassan Reddick went to Super Bowl last year at 18 sacks. And... You know, is he a three-down player? We looked at Shaq Barrett for a long time in Denver. Oh, he's a good player. Is he a three-down guy? He went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. It's been awesome. My fear is, like, the Jets let him out of the building. Someone's going to overpay him probably. And the Jets are going to sit there and go, like, what if McDonald's not ready? Or what if he's not Bryce Huff? Because he might be good. And Jermaine Johnson took a huge step in year two. No doubt about it. A lot of, like, the deep analytics stuff. Like, Jermaine was a good player. Like, he's a really solid, well-rounded player. That eight to nine sack guy you think long-term a year, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good player. Bryce was 10 and a half sacks in, like, very limited reps. So if you say, hey, if we're leading games, does he get to 15, 16 sacks? Maybe he doesn't. But I guess what do you, what would you do if you're the Jets? Because, again, like, you're a really solid roster. Do you really want to take away a 25-year-old homegrown guy because you drafted another guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they made it very clear they want him back. At the same time, like when Bryce said he's going to take, he wants to get wherever like the most money is, like I take that to mean like it's real. The guy was an undrafted player. He's been making peanuts up until now. This is probably his best chance at getting paid. And for me, like in my world, I always love checking who represents this guy because that really tells me a lot of it. Yep. He has a pretty high profile agent in Joel Siegel who is, um, he tries to get his clients paid. So like, I kind of have this feeling that if they let him to the open market, whoever gives him the most money, he's taking that. 
So that's going to be part of this. I don't know if the franchise tag will be in play over here. If you do that, it's a bit tricky because everything becomes more complicated when it comes to everything else. So I'm sure they're going to try to get a long-term deal done. I think that will be the best case scenario for everybody. But if you're Bryce Huff and if you're Joel Siegel, it's like we're basically the season is over. There is no more, you know, injury risk anymore. Like we're going to make it to March. Let's listen to what else is going to happen. You know, we'll be there at the combine in February. That's when all those meetings happen. So like he'll have a good idea of what's behind door two, three, four while negotiating with the Jets to see, is this the best case scenario? Do I want to stay here? Maybe it's a little bit less than somewhere else, or do I want to go somewhere else where they're just, you know, back in the brink shot. And that's really going to be where it comes down to. So I do believe, you know, Bryce, when he's saying, I'm going to take whatever is the best offer. I think that's real. And again, he has somebody who's representing him, who's done it many, many times before. And um, I kind of have a feeling that's really where it's going to go down to. So um, unless the Jets come in really hard and are able to do some convincing here, um, it kind of just feels like this is trending towards him getting to the open market. And that's when anything could happen. Yeah, I do wonder... um... I've when I've heard a lot of it's like, hey, looking at three for fifty, three for fifty-five, something in that nature. I do wonder if the Jets take the approach of we've seen this a lot of times with NFL contracts, and again, everything's different. It's not an NBA deal or MLB where everything's guaranteed. I do wonder if that's the structure of the deal, and the Jets say you want to be the you know you want to get paid a bunch of money. The deal is going to say it's five for one ten. And we're going to balloon the last two years. You'll never see it, but we're going to try to, we're going to try to give you that. Hey, we're going to give you the, you and the agent be able to say, we got Bryce off this amount of money. You can say you signed X amount of deal. We're going to structure it in a way that like, you'll see the first three years. And if you're good enough at that point, you'll restructure anyways at age 28. I just wonder sometimes we, we see that a lot in the NFL. Um, I, I don't know who mentioned the other day, but they were like the Colin Kaepernick, you know, contract extension from six, seven years ago, where it's like, he got a hundred million dollar deal when not everyone was getting that. And it was like, he was going to see one year of guaranteed money. Uh, that's just something I, I know you kind of live in yeah. that world of be very careful of the guaranteed dollars versus the total cash. Uh, that's, yeah. that's said. It, it happens a lot in our world. Like every free agent deal you'll see in March, it just like, just take it with a grain of salt until the actual details go on. I mean, like Terry kills the highest paid receiver in the NFL. It says 30 million per year. It's really 25. Look at Alvin Kamara. It says he's getting paid 15 million a year. Like the last year is like $30 million, like not guaranteed. So it's ballooned up. So um, a lot of this stuff is just ballooned in the back end. My question is more of, does Bryce even need that? I, I think he, he could do well regardless of all that. Yeah, so no, me too. That, that's the problem. So it's like, I don't think he needs anything to say you know, on Twitter when Adam puts it out that it's highest paid or whatever. I think he could do well regardless of all this, you know, balloons in the back end. I wanted to just hit quickly right before we wrap here. Uh, just go quickly. Patriots obviously look like they're going to be doing mostly keeping things in-house, kind of status quo, no more bill. You know, we'll see on, on his kids. But to me, majority of similar names, the one twist would probably be an offensive coordinator, um, Cortland legend, uh, Dan Pitcher interviewing with them later this week. If I was him, I would stay in Cincinnati one more year because one healthy or burrow and he's probably in the Brian Callahan track as opposed to attaching yourself to a rookie. But again, they may go Daniels Mayo was pretty, made two pretty strong comments. One basically said it's offensive line, probably Marvin Harrison alt or, or Daniels or whoever the quarterback there at three kind of basically said it. Um, and also said we had a lot of cash to burn. So um, we'll see if it's more of that 20, I believe it was the 2021 off season when the Patriots kind of, they drafted Mac, they, they invested a ton in the tight ends and stuff. Didn't work, it worked year one, didn't work so well, two and three, but there's them. 
we mentioned it before the Dolphins have a huge amount of contracts. They're 40 million, I believe, over the cap. Teron Armstead may retire. Uh, they have Christian Wilkins and pending free agent Robert Hunt, two guys that will get paid pretty significant money this offseason. And they have to extend a quarterback that I'm not sure everyone in that building or everyone. I think the AFC used to be quite happy if they gave two of $50 million a year. Like I, you talk to the other fan bases, people that cover those teams. I don't, I think two is a good player. I just don't know that he scares anybody with that number. And lastly, you mentioned Buffalo, that window. Obviously I believe Josh Allen keeps your window open all the time. Um, I think he's obviously an incredible player. McDermott's proven he's a good coach. I'm not again, giving Mar Hamlin a carry uh, like that was a little weird, but <laughs> regardless, the most important thing, though, is that Stefan Diggs is as potent of a weapon as there is in the NFL. I know he struggled, obviously, the last couple of weeks, and he had, the, he had the big drop and whatever. He's made a – last season, I think everyone's like, this is the offseason he could get moved. I just feel like there's a lot of questions in this division. I guess we could kind of hit it quickly one by one, but we can start with Buffalo. What do you think happens with Diggs? Because, again, big cap number, getting up, getting a little bit older now, and there's just so much toxicness, I feel like, with Diggs that – kind of feels hard they're going to run the same you know kind of team back yeah so brandon bean actually spoke today he said all the stuff that a gm would say we still believe his number one receiver and whatever i mean we've seen this before it happened last offseason it happened in his last year in minnesota the offseason starts that's when all the cryptic stuff starts happening and the end of the season was not great for him and he just didn't look like the same player um there was never any of those blow-ups per se on the sideline but you never know what goes on behind the scenes so you almost feel like it would have been better if there was a blow-up because at least you would have been like oh that's something's going on and so because there wasn't you're like are you just old like what happened right exactly i mean you wonder but also that kind of probably takes away any potential leverage you might have any you know had if you want to trade him there is an avenue to move on from him with a post june one designation if they wanted to do that i just don't know which team would want to take it on if i'm going to be honest with you and if you're gonna do that you are sort of i don't want to say you're resetting but you just, I mean, like you have to go to over the cap for a second and just look at the Buffalo Bills cap sheet and look how messy it is because they have restructured and pushed so many contracts into the future for this particular window. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, Tredavious White, Deion Dawkins, obviously Stephon Diggs, obviously Josh Allen, um, Von Miller, that contract is is kicking in hard right now. Um, Ed Oliver, they just extended. You have Jordan Poirier. You have a bunch of other players where it's like they've, sign these guys to big deals, then they push a lot of it to the future, and now it's all going to come crashing down on you. And it's like... Yeah, even like a Dawson Knox, someone that we're not even like, you know, not one of the big names, good player. Knox's contract the last two years, $2 million, $6 million, now balloons to 14 or $15 million a year. And it's not like you could cut them. There's $20 million right. of dead cap. Like, you mentioned it, though. Miami and Buffalo went all in the last two years, like, in a lot of extent, you know, different ways. But they really... A lot of veterans... A lot of guys on big deals. They signed a bunch of free agents that probably couldn't afford, but if you win a Super Bowl, it's worth it. Worth um, it. So, I don't know. It could be a Rams situation. A little yeah, bit. The, the thing is, like, if this were their situation in the, in the NFC, like, I think they would be able to survive this. In the AFC, I have no idea if you could because it's so competitive. Like, we saw in the NFC this year, Tampa, 80 million dead cap. They still made the playoffs. The Rams, 70 plus million. They still made the playoffs. The Packers were carrying Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of other players. They still made the playoffs. Like you could find a way in the NFC because there is a pathway. In the AFC, it's so much harder because there's so many good teams. And I feel like for some of these teams, especially like Miami, where it's like they're good, but they really went all in. And now you have all these big players who are going to be for agents. You mentioned 
Wilkins, Hunt, um, Connor Williams, the center. I know he has a torn ACL, but he was vital for them. Like these are like big names now that it's like we want to keep them, but their market isn't going to be high. And now we have this quarterback contra- contract coming in, and it's like Tua is like in that Dak situation where it's like yep. he's good enough to take us places to the playoffs and have a good regular season record, but could he get us over the hump? And if we move on from him, like who else could we get? It's like, you don't know what to do. Your hands are literally tied. So like, that's a situation where you really don't know what to do anymore. And you're right. Buffalo and Miami really went all in hard these last two years. And now it's where all those tough decisions come. And that's really where the door opens up for, I guess, a team like the Jets, where now could be an opportunity for you. So I think both those teams, if you look ahead to the offseason right now, I'll probably be keeping a very close eye on those two teams and how they navigate through all this because there are going to be some major decisions. I guarantee you, come February, March, you're going to have some moves coming down in Buffalo, Miami. You're like, whoa, why is that happening? And you'll look back at this and say, that's why it's happening. Yeah, look, I, I was even just looking through Miami and like, this is no disrespect to Jalen Ramsey at all. To go get Jalen Ramsey for a two, no one could have foreseen him getting hurt, all that different stuff. They're going to pay him like $32 million this year and... I don't know that like Jalen Ramsey at this point in his career, as much as he's still very good. I'm not sure. Like, I think Miami would be better off like paying a left tackle and a left guard $32 million than they would be, you know, paying Jalen Ramsey. But again, I guess that's neither here nor there. That's the thing about that trade because when they did that trade, I think it was the three and a tight end, a backup tight end. Like, whoa, that's so cheap. When they did that trade, they also fully guaranteed his next two years of his contract. People don't account for that. So now you go into 2024. What the heck is this contract doing in our books? That's why it was so cheap. So you look back at it now, it's like, was it actually worth it? So he is a great player. He did great things then when he was on the field, but it's going to be a tough decision now because of that contract being on the book. So you got to look at it both ways when all this stuff goes down. Last question here. Obviously, every offseason, there's two or three guys that get moved, trade, cut, whatever, that people aren't expecting, they don't account for. We don't talk about in January, but all of a sudden in April, they're on a different team. You're like, how did that just happen? Is there any names that you kind of are just thinking in your head, like, hmm, what happens with this guy? Uh, maybe it's a, a guy with a year left to go in his deal that requests a trade. Maybe it's it's something of that nature. Is there any names that kind of come to your mind that, like, obviously, if this doesn't, if they don't get uh, moved, no harm. But if they do, I guess we can clip it and you, you get a bunch of praise for it. Um, is there any names that kind of come to your mind of like, hey, I'm just curious what this team is going to do because if things go one way or another with negotiations, cap space, cuts, demand, they could get moved and we're all kind of like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a bit early, obviously, and there's so many of these teams that still haven't hired a head coach and some of them have had a GM, so it's hard to really fully know. The two that are just going back to, to last offseason, that was like, okay, let's see what happens when the season is over. We mentioned one of them before. T. Higgins is probably going to get tagged, but are you going to – trade him and I mean tag and trade because you mentioned Jamar has already talked about how he wants a generational contract yeah. he already paid he's like hopefully there's enough money left for you <laughs> yeah so like it's like how are you fitting in I mean you could fit it in but also that team is as we all know one of the more I guess cheaper poor teams yeah, free, a little frugal yeah, exactly. So it's like, how are you going to keep that in? So if they want to, I think a tag and trade would make a lot of sense there. I know their de facto GM, Duke Tobin, has said before, if you want a good receiver, go find one on your own. Well, let's see um, how you're able to keep both of these guys. And the other one I'm really curious about is probably Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. 
final year of his deal going into it. They've obviously paid a lot of players. They could definitely still pay him, but I think he's really turned into a one of those receivers who could definitely get a contract, probably $25, $28 million per year. And if I'm San Francisco, am I paying him that? And they've done this before under Lynch and Shanahan. They traded the Forrest Buckner. If you guys remember, he had to get paid. They couldn't pay him, so they moved on from him. Um, so I think Ayuk is a very interesting one in San Francisco because they have Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey and Brock Purdy's contract. They want to do it. He becomes eligible after next year. So it's like eventually you have to count for all this stuff. They paid Nick Bosa. So Ayuk is an interesting one for me. I don't think they have to move on from him um, this offseason, but that is one if they want to get ahead of it. Um, that's one to watch. The other name you mentioned there, another receiver. Curious what happens with Keenan Allen. He's due a gigantic amount of money. Still a really good player, but you're coming in if you're going to bring in a new head coach, likely in Harbaugh or some. If it's not him, maybe not. But, you know, Harbaugh coming in, they are way over the cap. They are paying – like their top five salaries are just ridiculous. Telesco, Telesco getting another job <laughs> a year after ballooning that. Luckily, he hit on Herbert and Slater and these guys otherwise. Um, not sure he'd be getting another job, but he's another name that – does someone take a chance and say, hey, let's go, let's bring him in. We'll rework his deal and we'll give the Chargers a pick or something like that. Does Harbaugh kind of say, we're going to run the ball a hundred times anyways and stuff and like, we don't need you. Who knows? Um, but those are names obviously to watch. Obviously appreciate taking some time. Um, everyone obviously knows as the account. I think if you want to plug it, go ahead. And then, uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get out of here. We appreciate it. And obviously we'll, we'll catch, I'll catch you down uh, in a week's time in Mobile. No, for sure. It's great to be on, Will. Obviously, I'll see you in uh, Mobile. I'll see you in Indy for sure. And um, Twitter account, I think it's my sports update. Check it out there. The website, the33rdteam.com, a lot of great stuff there. We had um, Lavernius Cole and Wayne Trebet doing a podcast this year, Jets podcast for us, which was, I think we had higher expectations for the team, but um, <laughs> well, um, we'll leave that yeah, alone. That's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't help out launching the new pod, that's for sure. But yeah. no, I appreciate you taking some time. And um, again, make sure you guys are following Ari. I'll be back on Thursday um, and then episode on Saturday on the Badlands feed. Appreciate it. We'll talk to everybody uh, later in the week.